If you have ever been curious about Dungeons and Dragons, or the people who play it, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Ready Set Roll Insight, where you will learn how to be a better player and what drew people to the game in the first place. Now, join us for Insight with your host, Daniel Wells. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Ready, Set, Roll, Insight. I'm your host, Daniel Wells, and with me today from the Broken Lords podcast, Zub the Mad. Salutations, creatures of the night. It is I, Zub the Mad. <laughs> it's still an interesting name. Um, do, you, do you always go by Zub the Mad um, just for everything these days? My mom calls me Zub. That's how pervasive it's become. Beautiful. <laughs> so, I, so you doing pretty good this morning? I'm uh I am currently on my third cup of coffee, and this one admittingly has a bit of an extra kick, shall we say? Ah, yes, you Irished it. Uh, I don't know if that's an offensive term. It is not. But I I'm, do. I'm an Irishman a little bit in myself, so, and I do it all the I, time. They literally have. Um, Irish uh, coffee creamer that has alcohol in it. It's true. I just I just don't know how uh, what the PC uh, ruler is today. But yeah, I mean I do have Irish heritage, and mm -hmm. yes, this coffee is uh, has a bit of a touch of the uh, the shamrock in it, shall we say? <laughs> I mean, I just got me a big old jug of orange juice that I'm drinking. Got to get those vitamin C's in. Um, that's fair. Yeah, welcome to the show and. Uh, Today is um, about you and your uh, podcast, The Broken Lords, and getting to know a little bit more about uh, those two things in conjecture with each other. Ah, uh, yes. Conjunction. Uh, yes. I forget, the I forget the philosopher that said it, but it's, uh, you know, everyone's favorite subject, themselves. Yes. <laughs> so, um, tell me a little bit about Zub the Mad, the Zub the Mad's tabletop experience. Um, how many years have you been playing all the various systems you played? Stuff like that. Oh, God. <laughs> how long do you want this episode to be? <laughs> um, so, my first tabletop session was early high school. And it was a 1-3.5 game. Um, I played a halfling sorcerer named Erekin who worshipped Bacod, Bacob the god of magic, who is notoriously known for not giving a flying shit about their friends. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, go ahead, man. All right. Because I, I want to make, I want to determine the, uh, you know, the audience rating. I, I don't want to get you banned from wherever you are. Um, Just don't drop a certain F term and we're good. Oh, yeah. No, I'll <laughs> never do that. All right. So, um, so yeah, that was my first experience where Erican was praying in the woods to the god of magic um to turn the tide of a battle uh it re he responded by shooting lightning at a at a tree like 20 feet away it fell we all died uh. um my first real campaign <laughs> was was a bloodletting campaign in white wolf <clears throat> i'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, the term but it's basically like you know how white wolf uh the world of darkness setting um you it's usually like mono monster like if you're playing a werewolf campaign you're all werewolves etc cetera, etc cetera. oh okay i've never i've never touched that system before i'm still 
I'm still pretty amateurish by all standards in terms of like how much I've done personally. Well, we all we all got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're part of the hobby, so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend it. It's an, it's an interesting uh, campaign setting if you like dark modern fantasy. Um, but yeah. Anyways, the the trip in White Wolf, um, as some of your listeners might know, uh, is that if you're playing a X game, you are playing an X game. Like werewolf campaign, you are all playing werewolves. Vampires, you're all playing vampires. And there's very specific thematic elements in each game. Like vampires is a lot of political intrigue and like existential angst because you're losing your humanity. Um, things of that nature. But in Bloodletting, it's kind of a wild card setting. You can basically you can basically have a team of like a werewolf, a vampire. Uh, I don't know how that works. It's oil and water. Like they <laughs> yeah. are mortal enemies. Um, we made it work somehow, um, mostly because my werewolf was self-loathing. <laughs> <laughs> Father Stephen O'Shea, the self-loathing Episcopalian werewolf who refused to admit that he was a werewolf, and then he had multiple personality disorder develop. Oh, no. uh, it was a very interesting campaign. I walked into hell, <laughs> and that's how and that's how Father Stephen O'Shea ceased to exist. Um, but that was my first real campaign. Um, it was, uh, and I've been gaming ever since. And uh, we made a podcast to to have an excuse uh, to continue playing on a more regular basis with my most stable crew of people. Well, that's. That's typically a reason I get a lot from people, why they start the podcast, so that they can have a, a reason to keep on doing uh, campaigns with each other. Because life sometimes just gets to be a pain in the ass, and yeah, your hobbies do sometimes get pushed to the side, but if you're like doing it as a recording, you're a exactly. little more motivated. Like, man, oh, we're recording this week? Yeah! Let's go. People actually listen to this shit. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so that's how, uh, the Broken Lord started. So give me a, give me a little bit of a, um, quick shot background of the Broken Lords. All right. The Broken Lords are a group of friends, uh, in the New England area who lean heavily into our background. Uh, New England is known for weird fiction and eldritch horror, as you are aware, you know, Lovecraft mm-hmm. be, li- be living here, um, you know, a lot of the people from the Weird Tales areas of cosmic horror um, were known to uh, traverse in these circles, and we leaned into it. Um, I am a horror novelist, soon to be, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Dear any agent that's out here that's a literary <laughs> agent, please pick up my book. We can make money together. Call me. I'll let, um, I'll let you put it in the links. Yeah, def. <laughs> <laughs> shameless self-promotion okay. um but yeah anyways um so we do weird fiction horror um sometimes we goof we do a lot of goof um we're very ignorant and we play off each other our group has been together for oh god 10 plus years now dang yeah there's a lot of history so it was like i alluded to before an excuse for us to continue playing together um 
and uh, people seem to like us, so, you know, there's that. <laughs> uh, if you like horror elements, if you like dark fantasy, uh, the current one that I'm running is called Viridian. Uh, it's based off a series of books that I need to finish writing. <laughs> um, so that is a thing. If you're interested in seeing world building happening in real time, uh, you should definitely check out the Viridian series. Speaking of the series, you have seasons, right? But not every season is interconnected. Well, I think season three and season one are interconnected. In a sense. In a sense. Um, yeah, it's if you're li- if you're listening to us as if we're like the Sopranos, it's that's not how it works. <laughs> um, each season, as you uh, as you put it. Mm-hmm is actually like a series of disparate campaigns. Um, there it was a concurrent series. Uh, there was a Flame at the Hearth and a Gate Upon the Hearth. The Gate Upon the Hearth was the original one. Uh, funnily enough, that was supposed to be a one-shot oh. um, to test out the audio equipment. <laughs> and then and then people liked it, so I was like, all right, we're going to continue playing it, I guess. Um, and the a Flame Upon the Hearth is actually a prequel to that game. So... Let's see. Um, I guess in terms of continuity, A Flame Upon the Hearth comes first, A Gate Upon the Hearth is second. Um, so I think that's the closest thing we have to in-world continuity. Is it all still within, like, the 5e system? Uh, we actually spread around. Okay. So when you've been playing with a, the same group consistently for, like, the the better part of a decade, if not more... You get kind of bored with using the same system, uh, with you know certain groups do. Mm-hmm. Some people have been playing Pathfinder for like thirty years. I just don't understand it, but you know, more power to you, to you, I guess. I like the numbers. Some people really like the numbers. <laughs> My our friend Socks really likes the numbers. He is a pervert about numbers. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He can't get up in the. He can't get up in the morning and experience life without having like min maxing his shirt. It's it's really that bad. Long um, vision. Oh my god. I love you, socks. You're probably gonna rage <laughs> at this recording. I love you with every fiber of my being. You angry, angry man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um that being said, uh we do bounce around a lot. Um, we do 5e. That's the current setting for Viridian. It was just the easiest thing for everyone to get, um, to use. Oh, definitely. Um, we do also play Worldwide Wrestling, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse game that's based on pro wrestling, if you can believe that. It's hilarious. Um, so that's what Elder Sign Wrestling is based off. It's based off the Worldwide Wrestling system. I strongly recommend it, even if you're, like, even if you haven't watched pro wrestling since like the '90s, it's so much fun. I just being goofy characters. I have had the system suggested to me, and it looked really cool. I wanted to like recreate like um, Dragon Mask or whatever it was from like the NWA. Yeah, yeah. It's you can you can totally do that. They have all the archetypes. Like you can be like the hardcore guy, or you can be the luchador, or you can be like the Ric Flair guy who's like you know, the darling of the promotion. Uh, they all ha- they have all the archetypes. It's pretty great. Um, and you can tell that the people who wrote the system are very much passionate about the, the subject because um, there's, like, little essays about, like, 
you know, what wrestling means to them and how you can, I'm getting into a whole tangent. I'm sure some people are like rolling their eyes and going, Oh my God, Zoop, stop talking about wrestling. Um, what person, but it's a good system. What person has not enjoyed wrestling in their lifetime. I can, I know people that are like, you're, you're a child. And I'm like, yes, no, yes, but no, I'm a, you know, I'm an ancient, timeless, crocodilian, semi-deity. Look, I watched As you... Jeff Hardy jump off the very top of, um, what was it? It was like um, a stage setting. Jump from like 30 feet up onto a dude on a table. Hurt himself doing it, but it was the coolest shit to watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like... That's iconic, yeah, he, for sure. He really fucked himself up, though, on that one. Um, I don't know how they're alive. Oh, they they come out with like life, like um, lifelong injuries that never recover properly. That's why I was. You'd be you'd be surprised at how like mobile Jeff and Matt Hardy still are, despite of all the things they've thrown themselves off. It's insane. I mean, Sting's like sixty. Yeah, and he's still and like it. he's still going like. These people are like not human. It's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, we got just... a little off topic. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so we we also play we play that system. We also have played uh, Bonnie Heist um, for a for a small time. That one's that one was a fun that was a that one was a fun campaign. We were all like bunny mobsters trying to steal um, a plant from a casino. And really easy system. It's like written in written on one page. Yep. There's like two stats for everyone. A, a, and a plant? yeah, it was a very it was a very valuable rare flower. Oh. Um. I'm thinking about the other systems we did. There's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. We've we've done a lot. Um, especially even off camera. So yeah, there's your there's your uh. Answer. So I guess I'm curious then, how has the show changed over time, like evolved or um, players and yourself have grown over time doing this podcast? Well, we actually figured out how to format a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that's evolved. When we originally started, um, we were just, well, we were being ourselves but, like, the formatting was, like, you look at our earlier episodes, and they're, like, four hours a piece, and it's, yeah. like, good lord. It's, like, good lord, Zub, what were you thinking? I chugged so I learned So we learned how to streamline that. That is definitely an evolution, and I'd say for the better. Mm -hmm. Like, um, we've, we've determined that the retention uh, – now I'm going to sound like a social media marketer – um, our listeners like to listen to like bite-sized chunks and kind of binge it that way. You know the net the Netflix effect. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been chopping them into like at most like forty-five minute segments, but they usually are around like twenty to thirty minutes. That is an evolution, I'd say, for the better. Um, let's see. I think we're better at formatting ourselves too. Um. We are really working on our real strength, which I would posture, well, not posture, I would propose as our character building and um, our social interactions. Uh, a lot of the characters 
off camera, and this is my eternal regret. We had a great Viking campaign in Burning Wheel, another game that we play, um, that will never be captured mm-hmm. on on audio. Um, and there was great character development. There was a whole there was a whole character arc for a psychopathic woman, <laughs> woman berserker, which turned into a really touching like story about like a mother and daughter relationship. Um, and then she it like humanized her. It was it was it was very magical. Um, it was the one that but, got away. Yeah. Oh my god, it's my eternal regret. Maybe someday I'll do like an audio drama of it, so that people can be can hopefully experience it and appreciate um, that because it was a it was a great campaign. Uh, shout out to Jordan. Jordan, I, I know you're listening, buddy. Um, you're a great DM. Uh, your notes are awful, though. <laughs> <laughs> I I swear to God, I'm going to blow him up. But uh, but I looked at one of his campaign notes for one of the games we were playing in. Mm-hmm. And for that session, written on 8.5 by 11 notebook paper was just the phrase, Shit be dank in these woods, yo. <laughs> That's all he wrote for that session. Good notes. Good notes. It was a good session, though. <laughs> that's what that's what boggles my mind. But but anyways, um, but yeah, that's you know that's how we. I think that's how we. Um, I think the progression, the organization, making ourselves a lot more streamlined, keeping in mind that there's people listening to us now, which is a can be a very frightening proposition when you think about it. It's like, oh, people actually listen to our stuff. Yeah. Oh boy. Um really like sets the mindset so yeah did you originally start off with one mic as well oh i why don't you just drop another bomb on me man <laughs> i mean that's what uh just, we did just blow we had just blow me up from space we had one mic sitting on a stand and the louder people sat further away from the mic and the quieter people sat closer that way we could keep the volume <laughs> centered hey man Make sure you're wearing blanks when you're. Make sure you're shooting blanks when you're targeting me like that. <laughs> that was our. That was our early game. Mm-hmm. I had one blue yeti for twelve people. Yeah, you can imagine how that came out. Yeah, love it. It's what we used. It's great. Oh, real sad hours there. That's just how anybody starts, right? Unless you're like using some university's podcasting room which i think the rental fees there are kind of much but who knows putting the ass in astronomical Mm -hmm. um so you did mention um jordan dming so you uh each have dm'd something within your podcast uh how do you determine who wants to dm why it's like somebody just comes up and like i want to dm this i want to do this well, all right. So the thought process is some people, um, each DM has a certain thing that they are more inclined to DM. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan likes horror stuff um, as well as I do. Right. So if there's a horror game, chances are it's going to be myself or Jordan playing it. If it involves cyberpunk, it's probably going to be me. Um, if it involves something that's a little bit more whimsical and uh, asinine. <laughs> It's probably going to be Ethan. 
I don't think Ethan has DM'd one yet on the show. Um, Corey also is very versatile. Uh, thank you, Corey, for handling the Traveler campaign. That was a big ask. Um, so, tra the Traveler system, I don't know if you're familiar with it, is like a very like crunchy, sci hard sci-fi hard sci-fi uh, system where you're basically like star travelers oh. um, and the emphasis is on like exploration and doing like raw numbers it's a very socks system like there's a lot of spreadsheets so uh, Corey stepped up for that one uh, we did a campaign uh, sponsored by Mongoose Publishing um, thank you Matthew Sprang there's a shout out <laughs> Dust knuckles, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, where we were uh, asked to run through their Deep Night Legacy uh, campaign module. Uh, Corey DM'd that one, um, just because the ask of the timeline was very stringent, and I had to do a lot of editing. And I was like, I'm too tired to do both editing and DM this setting. Corey, for the love of God, please help me out. Mm -hmm. And he did, and he was uh, he was great. So, well, yeah, like uh, thought pro Go ahead. editing and also being the DM. Uh, I've stated this before; can be very tiring. Yeah, that's what I'm currently doing in Viridian. That's why I make my cousin do it all. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had the luxury of an of a secondary editor. Um, I'm the only one that went to school for it. So, well, now yeah. you're now you're showing your experience, man. Uh, now you're now we got shots fired because we had to learn it on the fly. <laughs> yeah, I went to school for communications. Yeah. I don't know how I ended up in IT. I know exactly why I ended up in IT. <laughs> <laughs> Immediate redaction. Immediate redaction. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, telecommunications. Um, so audio editing and video editing. That's kind of what I went to school for. So. Uh, guess who gets to be the de facto audio editor for the podcast? <laughs> Is it Zoob? Uh, you are correct. Yes. <laughs> ten points. I'll take it. You win. You win ten broken points. <laughs> you can't redeem them at our broken store because I haven't opened it yet because I'm too broken. Yeah, just just take all that emotional damage and like put it on sorrow. That's all you gotta do. I want to put it, I want to put it on Shark Robot <laughs> someday when we have T-shirts. God, <laughs> bump out here. Have some broken points. <laughs> um, so, so you kind of already alluded to your favorite um, non-recorded um, mm -hmm. thing you've done. What has been your favorite uh, recorded one, like campaign-wise or character moment? Y yeah. No, that's hard because it's like asking that's like asking a parent who their favorite child is, mm -hmm. uh, as the children are rampaging around the kitchen, like destroying everything. Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, they're all precious little angels sent to me. <laughs> um, but uh, let's see. I I do I do like Burning Midnight. That was a good. That was a really good campaign given the fact that like one we had it was recorded in literally in, in one day all the episodes oh wow um it was done with very little 
preparation. It was literally like, it was my friend Alex's birthday. And he was like, I want to play tabletop. That's what I want to do for my birthday. And I'm like, okay. So I came over with the whole audio equipment set up before the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> um, it was. And uh, we literally got one of our old mutual friends who has never played tabletops before in his life. And I think it came out spectacular considering all the circumstances. Um, so I'd say Burning Midnight is up there. Um, also, I got to like play around with the titles. They're all like synthwave artists. Right. So if you look at the, if you look at the episodes as they escalate, they're either synthwave artists or like references to like cyberpunk stuff. <laughs> Um, so it was really fun coming up with titles for those. Um, let's see. Uh, that one is up there. I think I'm thinking I'm going to have to cut out all this dead space. I'm really sorry, Craig. (laughs) I would say Viridian too. I really like Viridian. I think, and it's not only because it's helping me world build. I think the character interactions in it are actually pretty good. Um, there is that usual D&D idiocy of like, lol, I take, I pants the fishmonger at the market. But there's also like genuine character interactions. Like Carrick has actual character building where he has moral quandaries about working with someone with dubious character, shall we say? Ooh. Um and his interactions with Embrin, who is played by Lydia, are really organic. It's not I think partially it has to do with the fact that they're, you know, they're a couple. Uh so they know each other very well out of game. Mm-hmm. But like in game, their interactions between like Carrick being like an older I wouldn't say parental figure, but like you you have you have an old do you have friends that are older than it's you? It's like a mentor. And, Sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like a mentor friend mm-hmm. who's been there, seen a lot more than you have. Um, so you defer to their wisdom and understanding a lot more. Had a lot of those in college. Yeah, yeah. Carrick and Emberin have that kind of relationship. Even though Carrick can be very juvenile at times. Like, he's a, he's a prankster. Um, we have an in-joke that he might have fey blood in him because he's a mischievous prankster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those re- that relationship between uh, Carrick and Embrin is very organic and very interesting because. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get on a I'm gonna pull out my my uh, my invisible pipe <laughs> as I do a bit of a as I do a bit of a psychological analysis. Right. Uh, the concept of time to a half elf or someone with that heritage that has a longer lifespan. Versus someone, we we're humans. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a cro- I'm an ancient crocodile, but for the sake of uh, relaxing warrants, let's say we're both human. Right. So humans have a very shorter have a much shorter lifespan mm-hmm. than elf elves, right? As such, we think in the in the more immediate setting of like. What can I accomplish with my very limited time on this earth? So Embrin is struggling with that 
because this is a setting where the world has fallen and that everyone is underground. Everyone's forced into caves underground. You're in the underdark. It's terrible. It's always dark. Like, torches are the only real form of luminescence, aside from, like, certain strains of mushrooms that have been cultivated. And she's going to spend the rest of her life in a world where she will never see the surface, probably. Or the surface that he keeps talking about. You know, the one with trees and flowers and a weird thing called the sun. And weird things called lakes and oceans. So, having that interaction where Kara can have story time with her about these things... Because she was not, she was born right. into this world of caves and mushrooms, and everything's terrible because resources are scarce, and life is hard, and every and to get through the day is an accomplishment. Um, having those different perspectives building off each other is really organic, and then you add Krusk, uh, who is a a half orc barbarian. Um, yeah, you think it's very stereotypical, you know, like he's going to be like a Conan, you know, or at least what people perceive as Conan, like <laughs> kill rage. Um, but like you have a very reflective person who's very broken because most of his time has been spent in captivity because he's been treated like a wild animal and a criminal because his father was a criminal of redacted because story reasons mm -hmm. and spoilers um and you know the sins of the father have quite literally fallen upon the son a son who has never really met his father and to have that interaction between a high noble um man with an extended lifespan as opposed to people with that are usually that are very lowborn mm -hmm. Embrin's kind of middle class um, with very limited lifespans. Uh, it's a very interesting interaction because not only do you have the element of different shifting time perspectives, but you also have the element of, cl of class conflict and you know the sociopolitical connotations that come from there. Um, and then there's Decimeth, who's just a hoodlum. <laughs> yeah, um, who may or may not have who may or may not have dubious reasons for doing things. So there's that weird um, angle where Carrick's morality is constantly been, being brought into question because Desmith comes off as amoral sometimes. Right. He's less morally driven and more, like, structurally driven. Like, he works for some kind of organization that's run by his friend, and there's an exploration there as to what that the actually underground, is. Underground. <laughs> it certainly seems like that from this point of recording. So, I'm not going to divulge yeah, yeah. more. Go listen to it. That's not a. That's not a shameless it, plug. It is a shameless <laughs> plug. <laughs> hey, it's. Why well, I got you on here to plug yourself in? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So if you find that if you find a uh, political conflict in that type of thing intriguing um, and 
exploring uh, sociological perspectives in a horrible post-apocalypse where everyone is underground forever and everything's miserable and there will never be any happiness ever again, by all means, go listen to Viridian. Yeah. Well, and with that, uh, that is all the time we have for today's interview. Uh, as always, with uh, the closing out of the interview, I like to do um, the show's namesake, give a piece of insight. Uh, this is the moment of the show where me and my guests give a piece of advice um, that you can take towards your tabletopping experience or uh, even into your personal life. Um, my personal insight for today is um, don't be afraid to do a roulette of DMs. Even if one of your buddies isn't hasn't ever played the game before, let him run the table. See how fun it is. Because you can also learn a lot from being the one behind the screen for your first time than um, being just a player who only has the one character to worry about. Especially if you like world building and making up stories and writing down stories and creating places where players can go to. Um, and that's my insight. All right. Uh, mine, I guess, mine, I guess, would be spend time with the ones you care about and keep in mind that your friends are the ones that you keep. Um, that you should always consider the relationship in real life uh, to be prioritized over the relationship you carry in-game. Um, it's great to have good character interactions. It's not okay when those character interactions hurt the ones you love. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Keep, keep game and real life separate sort of deal. Well, it's important to know the boundaries right. of the people that you play with and to, you know, cherish and appreciate the boundaries that they set with you. Um, it makes a better storytelling experience. It makes people around you feel more comfortable and more inclined to open up. Um, and, you know, it's just common decency. Don't be the guy that, like, forces themselves upon the buxom elf archer because lol that's what my character would do no that's not what your character would do your character is something that you created you mm -hmm. want to do it because you're a dick don't do that so thank you all for joining me for ready set roll insight uh with zoob the mad uh go ahead and do some uh plugs man um plug yourself in Hello, so I am Zoob the Mad. I represent the Broken Lords Tabletop Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Lords Broken. Uh, there is a link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash the Broken Lords. We are available on all major publishing platforms for podcasts. So if you Google us, uh, you should find us. But if you can't be bothered, you can use that link tree and find us. All those links will also be in the uh, show notes below. Uh, but other than that, thank you, Zoo, for joining me on this interview and taking the time out of your day to do it. I hope you had fun. Well, I I did, and I appreciate you bringing me on the show. And by all means, if you ever want me back on, I'd be awesome. more than happy to. Uh, and to all you listeners out there, have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time. Later. Bye.